0: Um, those of you who are visiting us tonight, my name is Jonathan. Uh, I love being here. It was sort of Tonight, being here has blessed me already, and and hopefully through this evening's message, we don't leave this place being blessed, but leave this place having an encounter with God, changed for His name's sake. That's the heart of why we gather as a church. That's the heart behind why we have moments like this, why we worship together, where we come together, why we study the Word of God together, so that He will do His purpose in our lives. Whenever we gather, it's a moment of surrender and trust. It's when we say no to other things to come together for Him, not for us. So tonight, I'm really excited about what we're going to preach about. Um, this is sort of the start of the second half of the year for us in our church calendar. And I know some people are still on holidays and some of you haven't had holidays, but it's a start of a second term for us uh, for the next six months or five months, um, the second half of the year. And I don't know about you, but for for some of us, the first part of this year has flown past. It is just so many things have happened, and so many things were asked, and so many things were done and and expected. And and before you know it, we're in July, and we're actually a week away from August. I must recalculate. What's that? Four, five months left for the rest of the year? Um, It's just flown by. And before we know it, it's another year another December. Um, And what are we doing with our time? If we enter the next half of the year, what are we doing with our time? See, our lives are shaped by the decisions we make on a daily basis. Every day, we're making decisions that shapes our lives. This is big decisions, And small decisions. Now, you're not probably making big decisions every day, but every day you're making a form of decisions. Waking up, getting up, at what time you wake up, that's a decision, influences your day. Whether you get up and you go and exercise or not, influences your day. It influences who you become. What you choose to wear. If you dress inappropriately, you might go into the day and you will have some awkward stares. If you dress nicely, you might get one or two compliments. that makes you feel good. What you choose to eat will shape you. (laughs) You can choose what shape, but it will shape you. Whether you choose to exercise or not, it will influence you. What you spend your money on will influence you. Every day we're making decisions that shapes who we become, how we live, and our destiny. Every day. How mindful are you of the decisions you're making? Because your decisions is important. We're gonna to read together tonight from Luke 10. It's one of my favorite pieces in the Bible. It's one of my favorite encounters with Jesus. It's Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. Story of Martha and, and Mary. And uh, Martha, in your absence this morning, I already apologized, but I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so Luke 10, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to, with me. As we're going to read together, I'm going to read from the NIV translation. We're going to look at specifically how the decisions that these two women made shaped what happened in their lives, how their decisions had certain results, and how does it apply to us today. So before we do that, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of being together, being able to study your word in such a way that we can do it without fear, without persecution, without um, any hindrance. And Lord, with this privilege, we wanna to come to you tonight, Lord, and we wanna say we wanna submit ourselves to the authority of your word, Lord. We believe this is the ultimate authority that you've given us, Lord, and we pray that by your spirit that you would come and, and mold your word, make your word alive and active and minister to our hearts by the power of your word and the presence of your spirit. And Lord, may you come and shape our hearts and our minds in such a way that you'll bring change to our lives. There will be people that honors you, glorifies you through our lives. So Lord, I pray that you would guide my words, lead us in your truth and understanding of your will. We pray this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to read together from verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In this week, um, while preparing, I was looking at the scripture and I thought to myself, when Luke was writing this gospel, writing this letter, what made him decide that this is something that he needs to include? Of all the encounters that Jesus had with people, of all the miracles that Jesus did, of all the teaching moments, why did, why did Luke decide This moment is important that people should know about it. What's interesting is we don't know what Jesus is teaching about. Normally when we have moments like this, similar encounters like this in the Bible, you would hear Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God or Jesus was teaching them about something specific. But we don't know what Jesus was teaching about in the house of Martha. And I personally feel this is done deliberately Because we don't know what we don't know. I think it's done deliberately to convey a bigger message behind this encounter between Jesus, Martha, and Mary. We miss out on what Jesus wants to do daily if we're not willing to be in his presence. So here we have two ladies, Martha and Mary. Both of them made decisions that had certain effects in their lives, certain effects in this moment. We're going to look at what were these decisions and what were some of the effects. Well, firstly, we're going to look at Martha. Okay, so what do we see from Martha? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, distracted. Meaning she wasn't present. Jesus was in her house, and she was busy. She was doing certain things, but she wasn't present to the moment. She was there, but not there in her mind. Wasn't present. She was distracted. And the word that's used here for distracted means to be drawn away from something. So there's certain things that's happening now in Martha's life in this house that is drawing her away from Jesus. She's drawn away from him. And we read from the scripture, it's things that had to be done. It's important things. It's not bad things. It's important things that needed to be done. Think about this. Martha opened up her house to Jesus. I don't know about you, but when we open up our house for someone else, it's a bit chaos. We have to get our kids. Listen, you have to pack up everything. You have to make your bed, just clean your room in some way. We have to clean the bathrooms. We have to put the things away. I don't know how it looks in your house. For, just for, for a moment, imagine you get news that after the service, someone really important is going to and visit wherever you're staying. You don't have time to prepare. Okay. You'll probably rush back home. You'll throw a couple of stuff in the cupboards and just close it. All the dirty dishes you'll just put somewhere to get it out of the way because someone is coming over. Now imagine that someone is Jesus. I imagine Martha was busy. Getting our house right. Getting everything in place for Jesus. She's doing good things. She's being hospitable. Hospitality is one of the things that the Bible commands us for. It's one of the things that the the Bible um, values. She's being really hospitable. She's inviting Jesus and a lot of other people into her home. She's doing good things, things that the Bible commends. She's serving them. Jesus himself told if we had to follow him, we had to serve others. She's actually serving people in the presence of Jesus. I imagine there's some of the disciples that's traveling with Jesus. They had a long walk. They get there into a house, and they go like, Martha, is there something to eat? I'm a bit thirsty. You help us. And can just see Martha serving there, going together. She's she's probably preparing food, or at least thinking about food for them. Let's be honest, it's it's mostly men in her house. Men are always hungry. (laughs) She's busy with good things and things that needed to be done. But it's drawing her away from God. She's not busy with sin. She's being distracted by important things that needs to be done. We need to ask ourselves why. She's doing good things, but in the wrong moment. good things that's drawing her away from Jesus. So why why does she feel she must do it now? Why is she driven to do these things even though they are drawing him or her away from Jesus? There might be various reasons. Most probably they were cultural pressure. Because in the Jewish culture, hospitality was really important. There were certain expectations when you invited people into your house. So maybe she felt the pressure of what her culture expected from her. Maybe that made her focus so much on what needed to happen that she was drawn away from Jesus. Maybe she felt social pressure of what she thinks those people are expecting from her. Maybe she felt personal pressure. I mean, it's Jesus. Surely, surely she would have wanted to impress him. Surely she wanted to give her best for Jesus. Surely there was some personal pressure that made her feel, I don't want to fail this moment. I don't want to be embarrassment in front of Jesus. I don't want Jesus to be embarrassed. I'm going to give my best. Maybe she felt cultural, social, and personal pressure but something is driving her to do good things that is drawing her away from God. What drives you? What's the driving force behind your decisions? Because we have to think about it. Martha didn't just deliberately not give attention to Jesus. There was something that was driving the decisions Behind everything she did. What drives your decisions? Some of us, um, we don't know how to say no. Just don't know how to say no to people. So you say yes to every occasion and to every person. Whenever people ask you for help, you say yes. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I will help. Yes, I can do that. And you don't know how to say no. You're afraid of the rejection that would take place if you were to say no. And it's just a driving force behind overcommitting to certain things and people. Some of us uh, find our identity and our significance in what we do. And if we just do more, and we perform more, and we go into performance, and we try to do everything in a certain way, in a certain standard, and it's never good enough. It's just constantly more and better because there's something we're getting from what we're doing. There's some form of significance, some form of importance behind what we do. Some of us are driven by fear, FOMO, a fear of what you might miss out on. What if, what if, if I'm not there? What, will I be invited again? Will I, will I have the opportunity again? This is a fear of missing out, and you're just overcommitting to every event and every opportunity. Some of us face a different fear fear of losing control. You do everything. You plan your life. All your decisions are based on having control of your circumstances. And you're afraid if you might stop, if you might say no, if you, if, you don't every, if you don't take control of everything, you would lose control of your circumstances. And that scares you. Because you feel safe. You constantly maybe say something like, Um, If I don't do it, who will do it? I cannot trust someone else with this. Struggle to delegate, struggle to hand things over. Because there's a subtle belief that if I control it, I can control the outcome. And if I can control the outcome, I feel safe. And a fear of losing control, a fear of uncertainty keeps us busy. What's the driving force behind your decisions? For someone, for some, it's a lack of contentment. We look around us and I see what I don't have. I see what other people are doing. And I do everything that I can to have more, to be more. But when is enough enough? When if... Have you spent enough time with that friend? When have you uh, given your best at work? When when can you sign off on that project? When, When is enough enough? What's the driving force behind your decisions? Another way of thinking about being distracted or being drawn away is busyness. Busyness draws us away from God. Now, being busy and overwhelmed and rushed has become the, no, the new way of living. That's become the new normal, being busy, especially in the city. Think of how people greet each other. You would say, uh, How are you doing? and people would respond, Busy and you. Or it would be just good but really busy good, but it's been crazy. It's just so normal in our language, so normal in our way of living. It's almost an expectation that we should be busy. We've become familiar with the pressure of not getting to everything. The pressure of of the demands of life. We've become familiar with rushing from one event to another event, squeezing every second out of our calendar. Busy, busy, busy. And I believe we live in a society that's more stressed and irritable and anxious than ever before. And unfortunately, the people closest to us experience that the people closest to us, to experience that anxiety, that stress, and that irritability. See, being busy has become an accolade, something to be proud of. It's become an accolade of being important and successful. If you're important and successful, you're really busy. And so every one of us are busy. Driving your decisions. Psychologists and mental health professionals are now talking about the um, epidemic of our modern world and they call it hurry sickness. It's a real condition that is explained as a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiety, anxiousness, good things. Busyness drawing us away from God. Dallas Willard said, Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. Corrie ten Boom, a World War II survivor, said, in, If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because both sin and And busyness has the same effect in your life. Both of them produce the same fruit, if you want to say it that way. Both of them brings a disconnect between you and God, a disconnect between you and other people, and a disconnect between you and your soul. Being busy with good things is not a sin. It just has the same effect as sin. Martha was busy with good things but it brought a disconnect between her and Jesus. Busyness and sin has got the same effect in our lives. What was this effect in Martha's life? Here's what she does. Lord, don't you care? See, Martha starts to look around. She sees Mary sitting there Just listening to Jesus. And she starts to compare. This this is unfair. I'm working and I'm serving. And everybody else is just sitting and listening. This is unfair. She compares. She becomes a little bit bitter. And then ultimately, um, she becomes angry. And she concludes, this is unfair. And then she goes to Jesus. And she says, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? She's accusing Jesus. What is happening here? See, her busyness made her so self-focused, which is just a nice way of saying self-centered, that everything became about her. And once that happens, she lost perspective. And once she lost perspective of what is happening, she started to doubt the character of God. And this happens to all of us. When we get so busy and we are disconnected, we are drawn away from God. We become self-centered because our focus turns away from God. Where else should it focus? It goes back onto us and we become self-centered. And when we're self-centered, we lose perspective. And when we lose perspective, we start to question the goodness of God. Don't you This is really important. From the beginning of time, this has been the main strategy of the enemy is to get us to question the nature and character of God. If he can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Don't you care? And we are drawn away, become self-centered, lose perspective for what's really happening and then we start to question God, where are you? Why are you allowing this? Why are you not coming through? Why don't you care? Can I really trust God? I need to take control of this situation because I don't know if God's going to come through. I need to say yes to every opportunity because I don't know if God really loves me. I can't feel Him. I can't feel His presence. Because I don't know. Don't you care? If she would have just stopped here. But she goes one step further. And she tells Jesus what he needs to do. Tell that sister of mine. She needs to help me. Lord, if you care, you would tell her what to do. That's what's happening here. Now imagine some of the disciples go, Moth, oh, don't, no. <laughs> Jesus is teaching about forgiveness and love. But, but she comes to Jesus and she tells God what he needs to do. She goes from serving God to demanding something from God. In a moment. If you care, God, would you do this? Tell my sister to help me. We might judge Martha, but let's be honest. How often do we do this? We make our plans. We have our strategies. And just before things need to happen, we go, and God, would you bless us and protect us and provide for us? Amen. In your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you're good. we make our plans and then we pray that God would bless it. See, instead of living with an attitude, your kingdom come, your will be done, we inadvertently go, my kingdom come, my will be done, and would you bless it please? It's danger of being distracted, busy with good things. And then we start to do what is right in our own eyes. If you want to know what's sin, it's when we question the character of God and we don't trust him anymore, we start to do what's right in our own eyes. Good things distracting us. Then Jesus says to Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. In fact, Jesus goes, Martha, Martha. I think Jesus is Jesus trying to get her attention, trying to call her back into what's happening here, trying to call her back, uh, having a present. Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things. See what has happened here. She's become anxious. Stressed. And when we're anxious, there's certain things that happens in our soul. See, anxiousness replaces trust in God. Anxiousness diminishes our faith, and anxiousness steals our joy. That's what anxiousness does. That's what stress and worry. It makes us question the goodness and nature of God. Therefore, we struggle to trust Him. It diminishes our faith, and it steals our joy. It makes us powerless in the kingdom of God. Because if you cannot trust God, you do not have faith, and you do not have joy. How can you have, how can you have power in this kingdom? I'm reminded of Nehemiah um, Scripture eight verse ten that says, For the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know the scripture? One of those familiar scriptures, you get it on cards and you put it in against your fridge. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. The enemy wants us to lose our joy. Because if we lose our joy, we lose our strength. And you become irrelevant in the kingdom of God. You are worried and anxious about many things. You've become powerless in the kingdom of God. Now, if we look at Mary, Mary made a different decision. This is what we see in this account about Mary. Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. See, this term, to sit at his feet, is a term that was used for disciples. So this is not just Physically explaining where Mary is sitting. There's there's more in these words. Mary was positioning herself as a disciple of Jesus. She made a decision. And in that position, she took the posture of a disciple, listening to Jesus. Disciples listen with the intent to obey. That's what it meant to be a disciple become like the rabbi, to apply the rabbi's teachings. So Mary is positioning herself at the feet of Jesus as a disciple to listen and ultimately to obey Jesus. I love this idea of listening to him. When was the last time when you had a moment of prayer where you just listened Don't go to God with any agendas. There's good you need to take certain things to God, but when was the last time when you don't you didn't have any agenda with God, and you were just there for Him, listening? And then Jesus says about Mary, she has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. She has chosen. This is a decision that she made, and this decision is shaping certain things in her life. She chose the better decision. She chose to say yes to Jesus, but in saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to sit at his feet, she had to say no to many other things. In order to say yes, she had to say no to Martha, Obviously, she should have known there were certain expectations of the ladies of the house preparing the uh, the place, serving people. She knew Martha had a certain expectation on her. Just for a moment, think about it. They're sisters. They know each other. She'll probably see Martha glancing at her. And Mary knew that once Jesus and the disciples left, she'll face Martha. Martha is not going to leave with Jesus. There's going to be a moment when everybody is gone and we're going to, have to serve, and Jesus is not going to speak, and then Martha is going to go, Listen, Mary, I was alone. But Mary said no to Martha. Say yes to Jesus. Mary said no to the expectations of others. She said no to the social pressure of hosting and serving. She said no to cultural pressure. Do you recognize that in these times, it was frowned upon women to be disciples of rabbis? Only men. And Mary says no to culture and society and chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus as a disciple. What she's doing is brave and incredible. We shouldn't give in to the pressures of society. We shouldn't conform to the expectations of the world. Our lives should look radically different. She probably said no to herself. It was like Martha. She probably felt the same pressure to perform in this moment. She probably felt the same pressure to impress Jesus or to serve people. But she said no to it. To sit at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says this was the better decision. What she's chosen will not be taken away. See, no time spent in the presence of God is ever wasted. It cannot be taken away. What's interesting about this encounter, if you read it again, you'll see it's Martha that opened her home for Jesus. Martha was open for Jesus, but unavailable for him to deal with her heart. I think this should be one of the main concerns of the modern church, that we're open for Jesus, but unavailable for his will. Open for Jesus, but unavailable for him to use us. Open for Jesus, but unavailable for what he wants to do in our lives. Open for Jesus, but unavailable for him to deal with the things in our hearts and our soul. Both Martha and Mary same, the, faced the same choice, but Mary chose what is better. See, this implies to us that both of them had the opportunity. To make the right choice. This opportunity was available for both of them. And it's available for all of us. So we need to ask, what is the better choice? What is the better choice that Jesus is referring to? And I think the quick and easy answer would be, is to spend more time with Jesus. You had to listen 25 minutes to this preacher to get to spend more time with Jesus. You could have just read it there. It's there in those four verses. And it's partially true. Spending more time with Jesus is a good decision and it will have an effect in your life. And it will bring certain change. But it's based on you doing more. It's based on you trying harder. And let's be honest. How many of you have had moments like this, sermons where someone is preaching, you go, this week, I'm going to change my life. This week, I'm going to set the alarm. Tomorrow morning, 5 o'clock, it's me and Jesus. Before you go to bed, it's like, Jesus, tomorrow morning, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And at 5 o'clock, the alarm goes off. It's dark like this morning, there's mist everywhere, it's cold, the power is off because it's load shedding. You go, Oh Lord, thank you for mercy and grace. <laughs> See you at 10, Lord Jesus. I mean, let's be honest. How many of us have had moments where we're going to try harder and do more? How many of us have started a diet or started an exercise plan or started a hobby and you've given it your best but it's not lasting? And if you listen to this encounter between Mary and Martha and Jesus and you think, I should try harder, you miss the message of Jesus. The better choice is not I'm going to be more and try more and be harder and just make myself more busy. The better choice is to know there's something inside my soul that is wrong. There's something inside my soul that is driving the decisions that I'm making. And I cannot fix it. I cannot change it. No matter what I do, there's something unhealthy inside of me that is striving towards acceptance. There's something unhealthy inside of me that wants to find purpose in what I do. There's something inside of me that wants to feel important by where where I'm invited to and who invites me and where I'm associated with. There's something inside of me that makes me feel uh, important and successful by being busy. There's something in my soul that I'm afraid of that needs healing. And the better choice is not doing more. The better choice is saying, God, I need you more. I need you more. Because it's only in the presence of God that we change. It's not trying more, it's not being more. It's the presence of God that changes us. And it's in the presence of God where we experience you are God and I am not. It's in the presence of God that we realize you are so much more holy than what I can ever imagine. You are so much more worthy than what I can ever give. I'm infinitely loved. I'm infinitely accepted. You have a plan and purpose for my life. I can trust you. I don't have to perform. Someone like myself can tell you that, but you need to feel and experience it for yourself. It's in the presence of God that he fills us with his peace. It's in the presence of God that he restores the joy of my soul. And regardless of what lies ahead, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the demands of this world, regardless of the pressures of society, there's a peace and joy inside of my soul that I only get from the presence of God. And I live from the presence towards the world because there's important things that need to be done. There's a gospel that needs to be preached. There's people that needs to hear the message of Jesus. There's a kingdom that needs to be established. There's nations that needs to be reached. There's important things that needs to be done, but it's from the presence of God, filled with His joy, His peace, and His love. May we not be a society That's open for God but unavailable. Pastor Jim LaFoon said the following Our access to God is a gift, but our intimacy is a choice. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've received the gift of access to God, but intimacy, being in His presence. It's a choice. Through Jesus, we have the gift and the promise that He will change us. We are shaped by the decisions we make daily. A better decision is to live from relationship, the better decision is to know God, to be in His presence, to live from His presence. Because his presence changes us. Martha and Mary. If you look at your life. What do you see? We should be really careful that we look at Martha. And we judge her. What we should do, we should look at Martha and we should see ourselves in her. Recognize that we need God more than what we think. And From that place, make a better choice and say, God, I want to know you. I want to live from your presence. And I want to create a space to know you more. And it's going to require you to say no to certain things. Important things. And yes, you might say no to people and they might reject you. They might be angry. They might go, oh, you're so selfish. You're only thinking about yourself. But you're saying yes to Jesus. If you look at your life, what decisions are shaping you? Because there's an invitation to each one of us that the access to God is a gift. But there's a choice to experience it. Let's pray. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you this evening for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your faithfulness that you are far more faithful than we are ever. We Thank you that you've given us this gift to know you, to be in your presence. And Lord, we want to say tonight, and I want to pray on behalf of every person that just realizes there's certain things that's that's pulling us and drawing us away from you, Lord. And we say, Lord, we're so sorry, Lord. Would you forgive us? You forgive us for those moments where we've become self-centered and we've lost perspective, Lord, and we've started to revive on our own understanding. We've made decisions based on what we think is right, Lord, and would you forgive us? But Lord, we pray tonight and we ask, would you start with us? Would you start with me? Because I know I deeply need you. recognize there's something in our souls, Lord, that needs healing. We can't do it on our own. Tonight, Lord, we're going to give it over to you and say, Lord, would you come and change us? don't want to try harder. don't want to be better, Lord. I want you to form me in line with your will. you come and shape us to be the men and women that you created us to be, Lord. Help us to live the lives that's honoring towards you, Lord, a life of purpose that makes sense in the kingdom of eternity. We don't know how it looks, Lord, but I would pray and ask that you would grace us with the ability to be in your presence. And I pray, Lord, for tonight for every person that sincerely knows they need you, Lord, that sincerely desires more of you to know you, Lord. I pray that you would protect their time, that you would protect those moments spent in your presence, Lord, but those, those moments will never be wasted as you, by your Spirit, come and shape us and form us. Would you speak to us, Lord? Open our spiritual ears to hear your voice. May you lead us in your truth and your will for your name's sake and your kingdom. And We ask this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. We're gonna conclude tonight, but we're gonna share in communion because Jesus instituted the, the communion and the sign of communion as a, as a reminder. And he said to us, whenever you break the bread, it's a reminder of my body that was broken for you For sin. And whenever you use the juice, in our case, or wine, it's a reminder of my blood that was shed for you, that has cleansed you from all sin, that has created the opportunity for us to experience God. It's created a way for us to be changed by the Spirit of God. So tonight, we're going to share in this communion as a reminder and a declaration that God, I choose to know you more moment of repentance maybe for some of us. Where you're going to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been drifting, that I've been distracted, that I've been busy. Would you forgive me? Opportunity for some of us to go, God, I want to know you more. I want a deeper relationship with you. And I surrender. The band's going to minister a song. You're welcome to listen to the song. You're welcome to sing along. You're welcome to make it your prayer. But during this ministry time, I want to encourage you to stand up. And you can do it with friends. You can do it on your own. But sharing the communion as a sign, a reminder of what Jesus did for us. That there's a better life. A life in His presence that He's given us. So let's stand together. And as the band is ministering, you're welcome to pray and share in the communion together.
1: gone through the motions, I'm sorry, when I just sang another song, take me back to where we started, I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry. When I've come with my interest. I'm sorry. When I forgot that you're enough, take me back to where we started. I owe just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never, I never want to live. I'm not here for blessings. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. I just want you, I just want you. Family, for this next part of the song, I just want to encourage you, let's stand together and let's sing this as a prayer. Let's sing this as a prayer and a declaration that there is nothing else like you, Jesus, that we want nothing else. We want you more. That you are all that we need. That you are enough. You are more than enough. And may this be the prayer and the posture of our hearts. I just want you. And nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you, and nothing else, and nothing else, nothing else will do, I just want you. And nothing else, nothing else, Jesus, nothing else we want, nothing else will I just want you Jesus I need you Jesus I long for you Jesus nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else nothing else nothing else nothing else will do I just need I you here I Come on family, let's sing it out. He's worthy. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things and to Lord